Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, 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 blue. this, this the pod is the pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Yes, sir. We're back at it again. This is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast on Odyssey and Odyssey Original. This is EJ Stewart co-hosting with my good friend, Tommy Beer. Tommy, going back to back today. Yes, sir. Back end of a back to back. But, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm rested. I'm, I'm, I'm old school. I can handle, you know, to, uh, I, don't, I don't need a, a DMP t- today. You know, I, I can handle back to back. Yeah, no, no load management here on Orange and Blue Bloods, not at all. So uh, we got a lot to talk about on today's show. We'll be previewing the matchup tonight between the Hornets and the New York Knicks. We'll also be checking in on one of the more important players on the Knicks roster coming up. But we're going to begin with the big news that came out yesterday, which is bad news for the New York Knicks. Obi Toppin, he is going to be out at least two or three weeks. He has a, a what they're calling a non-displaced fracture in his right uh, fibula head, uh, the backup four man will be evaluated in two or three weeks. This is an injury that's kind of rare. Um, there aren't very, really many examples of this injury. Uh, Nick fans may be familiar with it because Tyson Chandler, back in the 2013-2014 season, had a similar injury. That sidelined him for about six weeks. More recently, Zach Collins, center for the uh, San Antonio Spurs, suffered a similar injury as well. He was on the shelf for three weeks. So kind of up and down timetables for how long it will be out, but certainly it's going to be a loss for the Knicks. Um, Tommy, how do you feel like the Knicks will have to adjust with OB out for a considerable amount of time? Yeah, I think it's, it's also important to point out, as you know, that he's, he's going to be out for at least two to three weeks. That's just when he gets reevaluated. So, yeah. um, you know, I think typically, you know, depending on estimates, it's like usually four to six, it can be on the short end of this, you know, spectrum and, and we'll see, but um, yeah, I mean, best case scenario is, is he's only going to miss two or three weeks. And I, and I think that's unlikely because obviously he's a young kid, they're not going to rush him back. It's not like they're, you know, competing for a championship and, you know, needing to get back for the playoffs or anything. Along yeah. So they're going to err on the side of caution as they should. Um, which leaves the Knicks in a bind. Knicks have plenty of depth at, at point guard, shooting guard, plenty of wings. They have three quality centers. Power forward is the only position um, that they really lack considerable depth in. 
uh, basketball reference lists players. You know, it's a, it's not a, it's nothing. Uh, it's not an exact science, obviously, but they list, you know, uh, while they're on the floor, what percentage of minutes they play at each position. Um, Obi was playing a hundred percent of his minutes at power forward. He probably should have played some five, but that's the, you know, there and, yeah. and Randall's like 99% of his minutes at power forward. The only other player more than 2% um, was Cam Reddish at like 3%, you know, so that, right. that just gives you kind of an idea. Um, while there's been a lot of fluctuations in the lineup and guys in guys out, rotation shortening one of those two guys have been on the floor at power forward pretty much uh, every meaningful minute of the season so um tonight in charlotte will be the first chance we get to see how tibbs adapts um and um that'll be fascinating to kind of see what direction he goes uh, he mentioned rj barrett i thought was interesting when first asked about it Wednesday after after Wednesday's win, but obviously he was still you know didn't have information. He didn't know if even Obi would play Friday, so it's had a d- night to digest it. Another day to kind of look at it in practice. I'm sure go over his, you know the thoughts with his coaching staff. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, kind of who slides in there. What would you say? What would you guess is your best prediction as to as to who eats up most of those minutes? Yeah, I mean I think that RJ at the four we'll certainly see more of, and it's not uh it's not a an adjustment that I particularly don't hate to be honest Uh, I think RJ Barrett with the way he rebounds the ball for a three-man and the ability to kind of make the Knicks a little more quicker a little more dynamic uh maybe get them more in open space I I like the idea of playing RJ at the four and getting Knicks to play smaller allows you to switch a little more as well potentially I I do wonder what happens with Cam Reddish because he would appear to be kind of like the obvious person to slide right in there but when, when I was thinking about it today if I'm Cam Reddish's agents and his team and we're working on a trade to get him to another team i don't know if i want him out there playing for the knicks right now like like why why would you like you, you want to keep him healthy keep him you know rested and don't have don't have any issues happen where he doesn't become undesirable because he you know has unfortunately god forbid uh, a bad injury during this time where he's just filling in for always hopping for you know three four weeks so i'm very curious like what the conversation is between cam and the knicks and what the understanding is i wonder if as crazy as it sounds, I wonder if we see more of Evan Fournier and even Svima Kailuk. I thought it was interesting that in the broadcast for the last game, uh, Tibbs, I mean, excuse me, um, Breen was talking about how much Tibbs loves Svima Kailuk. And if you do play RJ at the four, someone's got to slide in at the three. And if you are in a situation where Cam Reddish is on ice, Svee is really the last swingman on the roster. And apparently he's a guy that Tibbs is, 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 is in favor of, a guy that he likes. So, he might be like the real like wild card, like, you know, dark horse pick to somehow find his way into the rotation. He did have a really good G League game uh, this week as well, or last week, whenever the last time he was down there. So uh, Cam and Svi were probably my first two uh, looks. I'm curious if he would go Sims, but I, I just don't under- I don't see how Sims and Hartenstein make sense together. Uh, so I, I, that wouldn't really make sense to me. But um, it's going to be curious. I don't know. Wh- where do you think that he goes? Do you think that? Is there any chance that Sveeman kind of makes cracks the rotation because of this? I hadn't thought of that. Um, and, and putting in Makai Luke ahead of Fournier would definitely be controversial. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you know, uh, cause some some maybe some issues from, from Fournier's perspective. Um, but yeah, the thing with with Barrett at the fours, I mean, he already leads the team in minutes, playing over 33 minutes a night. Yeah. Um, so I don't and he struggled. He's been inefficient, um, hasn't been solid on either end of the ball. Um, putting up decent counting stats, um, but um, you know, defensively seems like he's taking a little bit of a step backwards, and offensively certain certainly hasn't been as efficient as the as the team would want. Um, I think Reddish. I think Reddish is going to get a crack, uh, the first crack at at at, at the rotation and, and consistent minutes. Um, I hear what you're saying as far as you know. He kind of feels like, oh, you guys didn't want me, and now uh, because Obi got injured, you're going to throw me in. Um, but at the same time. Th- he, if there was a league-wide demand for him, he would have already been traded. You know, I, I think, true. you know, so I, I th- at this stage of the game, um, you know, he, I understand that, you know, he, he may feel like he's, you know, a little bit of a fullback, but he also has an opportunity to prove that he can play on an NBA level. Um, I don't know how many more opportunities he, he's going to get. He's still young, um, certainly talented enough, and he'll definitely get another contract. 
Um, you know, but like Kevin Knox, you know, when, when he played a ton of minutes for the Knicks and then he's in Atlanta kind of at the end of the bench. And I was getting a little bit of an opportunity with the Pistons now. Um, but again, you know, you get to 27, 28, 26, um, yeah. really so many opportunities these guys get. So, um, I, I think he'll, he'll jump at the, op- at the chance to, to get reinserted back into the rotation. Um, so I, I think that that's probably the most likely scenario, um, but I would like to see them at least experiment a little bit um, with Jericho Sims at the four. Um, mm. he, you know, he's we, he's the thing that impressed me most about Sims is his lateral quickness on the perimeter. Like we know he yeah. can go high, we know he can finish, um, but he's done a really solid job. Um, when he's in random situations, closing out on shooters, you know, smaller, obviously when he gets switched on to smaller players, high pick and rolls, um, he's done a good job of kind of staying in front of those guys. Um, I think it was the Nuggets game on the West Coast trip um, late yep. in the game where he stayed in front of Jamal Murray and, and forced a contested three or um, forced uh, Murray to pass the ball. So um, the, obviously he's suited to play the five four is not his ideal position, but you know, six minutes, you know, three minutes, a half, something along those lines, give him a stretch. Um, maybe it's, you know, with Mitch at the five, maybe it's with Hartenstein at the five, maybe it's with Randall, you know, um, you know, Randall gets a few more minutes at the four. Um, and, but, but I thought Sims played well enough this year of the guys that are out of the rotation now. Um, I think he's probably the guy that's earned the, the that, that has, I don't want to say unfairly because, you know, Hartenstein's, you know, quality player contributes a lot. Mitch yeah. has played really well of late. Um, so I understand that there's only so many minutes to go around that center, but I do feel like he earned an opportunity to kind of stay in the rotation. It's just a, a numbers crunch thing. Um, so I would like to see him, you know, get an opportunity, maybe play a, you know, at least get inserted and see what he can do. If he can't handle it, um, you know, so be it, but I, I'd like to see them at least experiment with it. Yeah, and with Sims, like defensively, I think he totally could play the four. I mean, when I when I did draft evaluations, and I was so excited when he drafted him because he was my one of my favorites in that draft. One of the things that immediately jumped out at me was his ability to switch on guards and stay in front of them. I mean, that was very evident during watching his tape at Texas. So defensively, I think he could guard fours and be switched on to the small guards and have no issue. I worry about the offense if you're putting them next to someone like Mitch. Hardenstein maybe not as bad because Hardenstein yeah, can handle and pass a little bit. That's the thing. I don't think they've utilized Hardenstein well this season. No, they've not. With the Clippers, he was a great facilitator, top of the key. You know, he passed to the to the corners, things along those yeah. lines. So maybe if you play him with iHeart, um, that that you know, and, and Hardenstein hasn't knocked down the three uh, consistently this season, but maybe you know he stretches the floor a little bit. So yeah, you're right. I I think he's definitely a better fit if he's going to play along a five. It's better to be Hardenstein than Mitch. Yeah, and Hardenstein, the whole Hardenstein usage has been really one of the more frustrating things with Tibbs' performance this year. Because as you mentioned, like Hardenstein with the Clippers was a, an excellent passer, an excellent ball handler. Um, we saw at the end of the last season, he was able to stress the floor a little bit and shoot the three ball. He's not shooting it as well right now. But it's like because of the way this offense is run, it, it, it doesn't give me confidence that like they would figure that out. Like, could – the Clippers figure that out if they had Jericho Sims and they had to play him at the four. Like, yes, I think that they could figure that out. Do I think the Knicks and this Thibodeau coaching staff, could they figure that out with how they've been using Hardenstein? Uh, no, <laughs> that's the that's the that's almost even more of a concern than even just the fit itself is based on how this offense is run and how they're using Hardenstein. I don't know how that helps. Now, again, I agree with you that Sims has been the guy who probably has earned the most minutes of the guys who don't play. He had a really good stretch during that time where Mitch was out, and it seems to be a numbers game. It feels kind of like, to be honest, when they they signed Hardenstein, I was a little on the fence about it because I really thought that I thought Sims showed that he could play last year. Um, I, I thought he showed he's an older player. He's not. He's not a guy who's like a freshman coming out of college. He right. Played four years at Texas. Yep. I thought he showed in that time last year that he was ready to get you know backup center minutes, which is about fifteen minutes a night. It's not anything you're asking to play thirty minutes. So you sign sign Hardenstein. And now you got you're playing, you're running around with three centers. All three of them are really solely centers. None of them you would play in the four in an ideal situation. It kind of now leaves you in this position where now you don't have a flex player if Obi or Randall would get hurt. So it kind of leaves the Knicks in this weird position. I do have to say, when Obi went out, there was one very familiar name that kept coming up among Knicks fans, at least on social media. And I feel like we would be remiss not to at least broach the topic whether or not the Knicks should fill this time with OB and out by bringing in 
Nick Great Carmelo Anthony. Are you in favor of bringing back Melo for a fell world tour with the Knicks for this short period of time with OB out? I thought if the Knicks traded for Mitchell and, you know, got rid of um, Randall in the deal somehow, where there's three way or, or whatever the case might be, or in a separate trade and just kind of recentered the team around Donovan Mitchell, I thought, um, and, and Randall got moved, you know, Obi would slide into starting power forward position. I thought that would be make a lot of sense to have Carmelo do a farewell tour as, you know, play 50 minutes a night. Um, as it stands, we're 25 games into the season. Um, Randall's obviously entrenched as a, as a, power forward playing 33, 35 minutes a night. Um, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. The Knicks have enough controversy and drama and issues yeah. swirling around. Rose is benched and, and Fournier is benched. Um, and those guys that have, have put in their blood, sweat, and tears into the Knicks team the last two years with Tibbs. Um, you know, obviously, Mello deserves his flowers. Uh, you know, he's you know he carried the, the franchise for a while, gave fans something to watch um, when the product was pretty poor. Um, so, so credit to, to Mello for um, you know what he did when he was here. Also, I I do find it as a random aside while we're talking about yeah. Mello, I always I I have to laugh when folks say it's clear that the Mitchell trade would have been a colossal error. Because what do you want? Carmelo Anthony 2.0? Like, <laughs> the Knicks actually won a playoff series with Carmelo Anthony. They that made playoffs year, three years in a row um, with Carmelo Anthony. They won seven playoff games over a three-year span. In the 15 years before that and the six years since, they haven't, they've won one playoff game, you know? So, listen, did the, <laughs> did the Carmelo Anthony experiment yeah. work out as, as everyone had hoped, as Knicks fans had hoped it would? No. Of course not. Um, yeah. But to to be fair, team won fifty four games, made it to the second round, were competitive year after year. Um, so it's it's not as though uh, you know, especially in contrast and comparison to what was before and what has come since. Um, it's that's not the worst case scenario. But that's neither here nor there. As far as the yeah. short term goes, um, I, I just don't see it as a as a as a solution that makes a lot of sense. To be honest. Yeah, in some ways, the Knicks is kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't with a lot of these yeah. deals. So it's like, you know, the other side is saying, well, Melo is the only good thing you had. So it's like, all right, so you don't want the Knicks to get Melo or, or Donovan Mitchell because right. that's the only good thing we had. But then you're saying we have a reason why he didn't win. It's very weird. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think because I don't expect the OB injury to be something that is very long term, I think he'll be back in probably a month, a month and a half tops. So you're mm -hmm. talking about maybe a – uh, a, a late January return, or maybe you know, he comes right before Valentine's Day, right around the all star break. I think that they should be able to survive that without him going small or playing going big. You know, that's their only option, they don't have another four man uh, right now, so their only option is to do uh, small or big, you come off the bench. I think they'll be fine with that. Who <laughs> knows if there's a trade that happens with one of these guys, whether it be the guys we mentioned yesterday, Fournier, quickly. Um, and uh, Reddit, who's to say a four, a four doesn't come back? Like, you never know what comes back in those deals. So, who's to say that they don't actually solve this problem? The other trade? thing is, just as far as Mello goes, is the team has scored plenty of points. It's not the issue defensively, yeah. you know, and, and you can't. Mello is just a liability. He was even at the prime peak, Mello, um, wasn't a good defender. Now he's now he's a traffic cone. So, just it is, <laughs> you know, there's, there's other power forwards out there that they could. I understand the nostalgia aspect of it. And if they were tanking and if there was no other, you know, they wanted to fill seats or, you know, boost the ratings a little bit, I can understand Dolan maybe saying, listen, do this and, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll sell a few extra tickets, but they don't need to do that. Um, so for that reason, I think if they wanted to bring in another power forward, if they feel they have to bring in another power forward um, and Reddish doesn't fit the bill and Sims, et cetera, um, then, then I think there's other options out there that are better fit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. So the Knicks maybe without Obi Toppin, but they'll certainly come into tonight's game in much better shape right now than the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the Hornets have one of the worst records in the league at seven and eighteen, and they have been absolutely decimated with injuries. You got Lamelo Ball out with an ankle injury. Uh, uh, Gordon Hayward has a has a, a fractured shoulder. Dennis Smith has an injury. Mark Williams has an injury. He's a first-round pick they drafted this year. And Cody Martin all out with injuries. So this is a very shorthanded Hornets team. Of course, they had the uh, uh, Miles Bridges assault case. He's not signed on any team right now, so he's not with them. So this is a very different Hornets team than the teams that Knicks have faced in years past. They recently nearly overcame a big deficit against the Nets on Wednesday in Brooklyn, but fell short. They are currently riding a three-game losing streak, but they do head home tonight. The Knicks will be traveling to Charlotte for this game. To note, earlier this season, these two teams played a real barn burner, one of those great early season games. It was an overtime thriller. Uh, Knicks won 134-131. Jalen Brunson had a really big game in that one. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. actually played really well for the for the, uh, for the Hornets in that game, too. Uh, Tommy, uh, should there be any concern about the Knicks losing this game? Because when you look at it on paper, it feels like the Knicks should kind of just walk out there and beat these guys by double digits fairly easily. But things never come easy for the Knicks. So <laughs> you kind of anticipate what could go wrong. So I ask you, what could go wrong tonight? Listen, with the Knicks, there's always something that could go wrong. What's the what's the spread in this game? Um, That's good. That's actually a good question. Let me, let me, let me figure that out. Why the, the Knicks are only given three points. I agree with you. I figured they'd oh. be closer to six or seven. Um, yeah, they are on the road. and um, uh, But still, it's not like Hornets. Uh, Charlotte's a, a great place to play, you know, a huge home court advantage. Um, yeah, no, listen, Knicks have to win this game. Um, you know, it's it, it, they, they, they have – you know what the Knicks have. The reason they're hovering around 500 is because they've taken care of business against the yeah. Pistons. They beat up on the Pistons, beat the Hornets earlier this season. They beat the Magic earlier this season. Um, so that's what. Well, you know, uh, teams that that are coached by you know that 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 coaches that make sure they don't you know take any nights off. Think you know they can get beat by talent, but you, you expect them to at least show up and, and play hard and compete, um, even when the the schedule dictates that it should be a you know they, they haven't um, two tips credit they haven't really gotten snatched um, you know and 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 lost a winnable game or a very winnable game this season um, you know to a to a really bad team and that's what this will qualify as a bad loss. Um, you mentioned the injury issues and the, the starters are decent for Charlotte. You know, Oubre, Terry Rozier is a very good player. Um, McDaniel, yeah. solid two-way player. Plumlee's a center. Washington's decent. Um, but when the Knicks really need to take advantage of tonight is the bench. Um, in their last game against the Hornets, nobody on last game against the Nets, um, mm -hmm. nobody on the Hornets, none of the reserves scored more than five points. Um, you know, Bryce McGowan's, Taylor Maladone, Kai Jones, Nick Richards, um, JT Thor. Um, these guys that are barely, you know, rotation NBA players. So um, this is where, you know, Hardenstein, IQ, um, you know, McBride, those guys should come in and have an immediate impact. Um, so even if the starters just hold water um, and, and, and just kind of keep it leveled, you should see the bench come in and really, um, you know, give them a big boost. Um, but, um, you know, the, the fact that it's only three-point game, that does kind of worry me. That tells me Vegas <laughs> – you know, yeah. see something um, that, uh, you know, and, and like you and like you said, there's, there's there's always something to worry about with these guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's weird. Like you mentioned, the Knicks haven't really had your like classic letdown game yeah. this year where like right. you see a team that was just, you know, railing that comes in and you think, OK, Knicks should win this game easy. And then they lose like they, they've I think they've won almost all of them. Now, they haven't really beaten any good teams that's kind of been the other issue right. that typically Knicks will have some like miraculous wins you're like wow yeah. where did that come from and those aren't on the schedule and I guess the, the way the NBA works that leaves you right around 500 <laughs> just yep. the team's supposed to be you don't be anybody that's better than you so I'm gonna say that I'm not too concerned about the Knicks finding a way to win this game um I know Char playing in Charlotte has kind of always been an issue like they just for whatever reason they've always seemed to have trouble playing there and they've had tough games there they've had they've blown leads there so the history doesn't make me feel good but i think the, the guys on the roster for both teams if you feel like the knicks should succeed it's very interesting when i saw that the, the starting lineup that the corners were going with that they they have Ubre starting in the backcourt with with uh with rogier you know and rogier's been playing a lot of two since lamella ball has been there so those two guys have kind of been leading the Hornets recently they're really the two primary scorers at this point 
both guys almost kind of playing out of position, really, with the way those guys have been playing recently. Ubre's been more of a stretch four. Rosier's been playing off the ball a lot. So should be should be should be an interesting matchup with the backcourt, whether it be uh, you know, the matchup of Rogier versus Brunson. Um, I'd be curious to see. I assume Grimes picks up Rogier. I, I don't know, but I, I don't know because Ubre six seven, six eight. So I don't know if you want Brunson covering him too. So if there's anything to watch, that may be something to look into. The the Hornets are playing a bigger lineup than most teams, and the Knicks have been able to successfully hide Brunson since putting Grimes in the in the starting lineup. I wonder how easy that would be able to do. If you put him on McDaniel's, McDaniel's is not really a create, you know, a offensive creator. That may be something to look at as well. Interesting. It's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Um, they do present a size issue that that um, Brunson should be able to obviously take advantage on the offensive end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe if if Brunson if McDaniel's is sitting in the corner, um, you can uh, stick him on them. But look, just looking at the box where he did take fourteen shots, only four threes. Yeah. Uh, you know, took 10 two, two pointers um, against Brooklyn. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something Tibbs is going to, you know, have to try to figure out as a way to, um, you know, whether he wants to kind of match size for size. I agree with you that obviously you ideally you'd want to put Grimes on, on Rosier. Um, but that may, yeah, putting um, Ubre, uh, putting Bruns on Ubre may, may present some issues as well. So um, we may see a little bit more McBride tonight. Um, you know, obviously RJ can switch over and guard one of those guys as well. So um, he's actually probably a better fit for Ubre. So yeah, that'll be interesting. That's something definitely we'll keep an eye on. Yeah, and I think it's me. A big matchup tonight will be uh, Randall now playing the majority of the four minutes, uh, maybe ent- almost entirely the four minutes up against uh, PJ Washington. Washington is a guy who kind of went crazy in the last game the Knicks played against him. He he always seems to shoot the ball really well against the Knicks, and you know I think the times we've seen Randall struggle defensively has been with guys who will stretch the floor and guys who can and really space you out. And, and Randall, when he loses his defensive focus, usually those guys can hurt you. So that would be one of the matches. I would be very interested to see what Randall's focus is. I know in the post game of the last game against uh, uh, whoever they played, uh, the Hawks, he said that, you know, he really wanted to zero in on rebounding because he has rebound the wall ball well this year. I actually really appreciated that self-awareness that he wasn't rebounding the ball that well we complain about a lot of things with julius and like rebounding really wasn't one of them but like it was an issue i mean you look at where he's been in the past and, and what he's done this year I, I wonder if he'll have that same attention to detail to the scouting report because that's been one of my biggest issues with him defensively for the last for this early this season but especially last season was it felt like there were times where guys that we know are shooters he's not closing out on and um and washington will put him up i mean he's not uh, guy who's shy. Um, he's not necessarily the most efficient player, but if he gets hot, he can really hurt you. So um, that I think will be a key matchup. Or any matchup that you're looking at in this uh, in this game tonight? Yeah, I think uh, uh, obviously we you know we talked about Randall yesterday on the pod. Um, can he back up that that incredibly incredibly impressive performance in the win over the Hawks? Can he start to string together? You know, we've seen some great games this season, and then duds and you know mid tier games and a decent game, but hasn't strung together like a, a you know three or four games in a row. Um, uh, so will that that'll really since his, his all NBA season, you know, because last yeah. year much of the same. He had you know a couple of good games here and there. Um, to his credit, he's been far more consistent, um, you know, production wise, efficiency wise. I was actually looking at his numbers um, earlier today. So he's played 25 games this season. Um, and just to, to kind of highlight that increase in efficiency and, you know, taking better care of the basketball through the first 25 games last season, Randall scored 495 points on 420, 420 field goal attempts and had 83 turnovers this season. He's had 541 points on 399 field goal attempts and 66 turnovers. So more points on fewer field goal attempts with, you know, significantly fewer turnovers um that's that's kind of what you'd want from randall um so again but you know as as we've talked about before randall can have a good game without scoring 28 points you yes know? Like, that's what nick fans you know i think that's kind of what he got confused last season with the thumbs down and the booing and all like nick fans if he takes charges and boxes out and closes out on shooters, Nick fans will notice that stuff. So he doesn't need to score, you know, 33 points in order to get back in the kind of good graces of the fans. Like if they, if he shows a solid commitment defensively. um, So, uh, and, and this type of game is, is a situation where, yeah, Washington can put up some points um, so he can, you know, kind of, show and prove and, and again string together some consistent effort uh, consistent efficiency and that's that's kind of what the Knicks need 
Yeah, and he has an opportunity to do that. I mean, if you look at the schedule coming up, I mean, you got Charlotte tonight, and then you got Sacramento, an improved Sacramento team, but still not necessarily a team that you'd be scared about defensively. He usually right. pulverizes uh, Sabonis. Yep. Um, though I think he'll probably up against Murray most of that game in Harrison Barnes. Uh, Chicago back-to-back, they've been reeling. They have injuries. So, and in Indiana, who's been playing really well. Um, so, but, like, there are some games there where this could be a really good stretch for him, uh, getting more extended time. I don't know how much he really looks over his shoulder at OB because I don't think Tibbs right. has really threatened him with OB, but OB is not there. And there, he's not going to get a quick hook. Um, not that he ever would, but. Right. Even 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 if it's just the fan, sometimes I don't even think it's Tiz, but the fans you can kind of feel the possible energy at the garden when he's yes. struggling. The fans will kind of start to groan, and you'll even hear the OB chants. Like he won't worry about that for the foreseeable future. So this could be a time for him to get right, and I hope he does because it means it will mean the Knicks will be playing better. And like we said yesterday, I think it will mean that his trade value will go up. So I'm all for Julius uh, going on a tear here, and I think he has an opportunity to uh to do so one quick thing on the hornets before we move on am i crazy to think that the knicks should be keeping their eye on the mellow ball when we talk about star player they're allegedly trying to get now let me be clear i'm not i'm usually never the guy who's like knicks are gonna get that guy that guy i've never been that guy but i'm going based on just the strategy knicks have put together and looking at the kind of lay of the land where the nba is i mean charlotte is a mess i mean we kind of knew this season was going to be a dud, but the fact that Melo hasn't been able to get on the floor, and this being LaMelo, not Melo Carmelo Anthony, uh, this you know, new age Melo hasn't really been on the floor. It's only made things worse for them. Now, if they get weak to Wimbenyama, I mean, they probably thought, okay, great, we can pair LaMelo Ball with one Wimbenyama and be great. But we've seen that the lottery now is a lot more unpredictable than it has been. So let's say this is a team that does end up with the you know second worst record, but then ends up with the fifth pick. Like, you know, does the does LaMelo Ball start to get anxious and say, hey, I don't know if this is this is it for me? You know, apparently he, he does like Charlotte, but it's certainly one of the smaller markets in the NBA. And the Knicks do have a lot of draft capital. He just seems like the kind of guy that if the Knicks were to go all in on a young player and a star. I would I would say that he's a guy I would take. I would take consideration. Am I am I crazy for saying that LaMelo Ball might be a guy Knicks should be looking at? Uh, no, because it, again, he fits the bill. Um, you know, he's a guy that seems destined to play on a big stage in a big, yeah. city. you know, whether it's LA or Chicago or, you know, uh, you know, New York, certainly. Um, I'll admit I was off on my draft predictions for LaMelo. I just didn't, I hated his form. Um, I just, you know, shot selection, IQ, um, you know, things that, that, you know, I just, I just, I didn't envision him as a winning player. Um, maybe I just watched too many of the clips of him pointing at the half court line and shooting from the air, you know, like, um, but to his credit, um, he matured, um, finds ways to help his team. Great rebounder, um, solid passer, um, improved. I'm I'm not sold on the shot. Um, I I don't think he'll be a, 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 a high percentage shooter. I'd see him as more of a volume scorer. Um, which can be a, a bit of an issue when you're a, the point guard and facilitator. But um, make no mistake, kid's a star, uh, yeah. star qualities, um, and uh, played extremely well last season, obviously exceeded all expectations. Um, that being said, as you know, the NBA makes it almost impossible for you to screw up uh, the first seven years of a guy's career. If you want exactly. to, if you choose to max him out um, and, you know, every good player to great player um you can choose to to keep him you know kind of within your franchise and um if the if he was ever put on the block but then again you were dealing with the balls here so would it shock me if his father says my son's never going to set foot on the court yeah. again in charlotte you know something like that could happen um you know then i think the knicks would obviously jump to the, to the front of the line um and they obviously have the assets um would jordan be willing to to part with you know his, his star franchise player because because if they lose LaMelo, um, you know, what what do the Hornets have at that point? Obviously, the Miles Bridges thing was a major setback for his franchise, for the for the entire franchise, for the league, for that matter. Um, yeah. But I do think that if you're ever going to have a weird, you know, like six months ago, the, the Hornets trajectory was skyrocketing. You know, LaMelo's become he's going to be a star. Miles Bridges is, is fantastic, coming off a great yeah. year. Um, then you get the Bridges. 
um, a, a domestic situation. Now you have the Lamelo injury. It looks like they're you know headed toward the tank this season. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded Rozier and um, and then if you get Wembayana or Scoot Henderson or, or yeah. Eamon Thompson, whatever the case might be. Now you have Lamelo and you know some other young pieces to build around. If you have Lamelo and Wembayana, then you're the number one league pass team in the, in, in, yeah. in the yeah. league. You know, so um, a lot obviously is going to depend on um, how the lottery bowl shake out. But if you're ever going to have a weird, terrible tank season, this is a good year to do it. Yeah. And you make a good point about Jordan, because one of the things I like to kind of remind myself is that Jordan, I mean, these are all NBA owners. so They're all very wealthy, obviously. But, you know, Jordan is not one of the more wealthier owners. So he's not a guy who I know, I think maybe would be inclined to say, look, I'll just sell off my, my, my star attraction, knowing that that will hurt ticket sales and TV ratings and ad revenue and things like that. Yep. So you might have to really make it worth their while to make a move for a guy like LaMelo. That's where you would wonder if, you know, I, I think you make a good point about uh, the ball family and, um, and his team, like they, they could maybe tip the scales and say, okay, we can make this very uncomfortable. And they, don't, they, have, they have no problem doing that. that has not <laughs> that's, been, the, that's the wild that's not part been there. Like, no, normally I would say anybody on a start of a contract is no chance, but we know that the Bull family has done stranger things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, Nick's in Charlotte tonight. Make sure you guys check that one out. Um, this episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Every few weeks, we will be doing what we like to call a temperature check. So what that means is we will talk about some of the players on the Nick roster, kind of just get a feel for like where they stand right now, um, what it looks like they will be going in terms of, of, of this season, how they've played so far, and kind of what's the outlook for them moving forward. So I want to take the time today to discuss one of the more important and one of the more polarizing players on the Knicks, that being R.J. Barrett. So Barrett, as you guys know, dangled in trade offers for Donovan Mitchell before he eventually did sign a four-year extension worth up to $120 million this offseason. Barrett ended last season on a tear. I think if you look at the calendar 2022 part of last season, he was pretty phenomenal. This year, that has not been the case. Uh, he has struggled with his efficiency. We've seen his points dip from 20 points last season to 18.2 this year. The field goal percentage right now sits at 40.3. Uh, his three-point percentage is at 28.5%, which is the lowest of his career so far. So when we uh, look at RJ right now, Tommy, are you concerned or are there a reason to be concerned about where his development is here in year four based on where we kind of saw him going from rookie year to year three last year where he finally got to 20 points a game? Yeah, so let me start out by this. A lot of talk about the, the contract extension. Um, I think the contract will be fine. Um he uh, when you look at the salary cap, um, the, 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 the CBA, um, the league's deal with the TV networks expires following in, in 2025. There's talk to like seven hundred fifty billion dollar new contracts and be a ton of there's gonna be a windfall of money coming into the league. Salary uh, salary cap's going to skyrocket talk where it might be, you know, upwards of one hundred fifty, hundred sixty million dollars um, uh, per team. So th that being said, there's a good chance that R.J. Barrett's percentage of the Knicks salary cap will be like 18 percent 17 percent 19 percent below 20 percent most likely in the in the in the final two three years of that contract um which makes it a lot easier to swallow um and you know what rj is going to bring to the table he's going to compete he's going to try hard he's going to say all the right things kid came into new york as a 19 year old and handled it flawlessly yeah uh, parents both you know st john's alums um you know dad you know uh, a major player in the Canadian basketball scene, RJ yeah. top recruit, top player in his, in his class from like eighth grade on he's dealt with the interviews and slam magazines and the hype and the star freshman at Duke playing with Zion and Cam Reddish and championship expectations, et cetera. Um, so, 
you love what you see from the kid off the floor. Never throws any uh, opponent under, you know, a teammate under the bus. Um, you know, shows that he cares. You know, he plays with an aggressive and attitude. Um, you know, doesn't complain to the refs too much. He just he's a very easy kid to root for. Really likable person. Um, yeah. And that helps for something um, because some people just can't handle New York. He can handle New York. That's the good. Now we get okay. to the, the, the reality of the situation is yeah. um, you can't like what you've seen from RJ Barrett over the first um, six weeks of the, of the, of his now fourth NBA season, still relatively young, but he's got three, three plus years in the league. He's 22 um, and things are trending in the wrong direction. Um, you know, shooting a career low from, from downtown, as you mentioned, you know, barely above 40% from, from the floor. Um, I'd have to look at the numbers, but my guess is if you go back to the start of last season, out of you know all players who are averaging over 15 field goal attempts per game, he probably has the lowest field goal percentage of every player in the league. Um, you know, right. and, and 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 especially lowest uh, effective field goal percentage when you factor in three point shooting um, and and his free throw shooting. He's actually making his free throws this year. Um, defensively, he's you know that's the one thing you know we there was at this point last year or going into the last season, you know he's talking about I want to become an All NBA defender and that, we just haven't seen that on a night in night out basis. Um, that being said, can he? Bounce back and have a solid second half of the season? Sure, he did it last year. He's had slow starts to the season. But, um, again, we're 25 games in now. It's not like two weeks. Um, we have a decent sample size. Um, and he hasn't shown the consistency um, that, that that Nick fans would like, obviously. So there is there is concern there. Um, not jumping off the bridge concern, but you, you can't be happy with what you've seen this far. Yeah, I think that's a realistic way to put it. I mean, is there concern? Yes. Am I panicking? Am I uh, throwing my, all my stock out of RJ? No. Um, I think he's still at a young enough age where you could still see him become an all-star caliber player. I don't know if I say a superstar caliber player or anything like that. I think that that's probably, you know, I don't know if I go that far at this point. But could he be, uh, uh, you know, someone not the same kind of player because they're different kind of players, but someone, you know, kind of like a Chris Middleton, like someone who's an all-star guy, maybe a second on, on a guy with, with next to another superstar, possibly. Um, we've seen guys like Jimmy Butler make all-star game, their first all-star game at 24, 25 years old. Zach Levine didn't make it until 24, 25. Uh, Kawhi Leonard didn't make it until around that same age. So I, I think that we're probably a couple of years away before we really have to start thinking, okay, maybe RJ, it really is just kind of like an above-average player, and we kind of move on from there. But what I will say is – there, there is some concern, and I think some of the concern comes from parts in his game where it just feels like things that were taking a turn in the right direction have suddenly gone south. So the first thing you mentioned is defense. Uh, there was signs in year two where it seemed like he was going to be a two-way monster. He really, uh, I don't remember that game where they played against the Clippers late in the season. It was a crucial game uh, that had kind of helped them kind of clinch at least a spot in the playoffs. We didn't know if they'd be, you know, a top four seed or whatever. They played a Sunday, it was like Saturday or Sunday afternoon, and it, he was guarding Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the stretch. And he locked them up, and they won a crucial game. Julius Randle hit some big shots. That was maybe the best win of that next season. And you kind of looked at that game and said, wow, if this is what RJ can become. He actually had a really good game offensively that game. You're like, if this is what RJ's going to become, the Knicks really may have a young star on their hands. And uh, last year didn't start as great defensively, played a little better, but then the offense really picked up in the second half. I watched him defensively this year. And he looks unrecognizable. I mean, guys blow by him regularly. I don't know if he's put on a lot of muscle, but it almost feels like he may have lost some quickness because it just seems like he's not able to stay in front of guys the way he used to. I don't know. Some people have lamented his effort. I don't know if it's an effort thing. I, I just don't know if he's as quick as he was even just a couple of years ago. So the defense is concerning. And then the three-point shot is concerning because this is a guy, it's crazy to think when you watch the way him shoot now that he shot 40 plus percent from three in year two and i know teams were rotating off of him he's getting a lot of clean looks but he didn't a lot of clean looks this year too because teams are rotating him off net off him now because they realize the scouting report says you got that's the guy you got to let shoot and he was drilling them in year two and year three struggled to start but then picked it up in the second half of the season he started to look more like the shooter we saw last year this year i mean it's hide your eyes sometimes when he shoots the ball from three and it's it's it, that's alarming because it's, it's you see a guy start off a certain way as a shooter, then get to a certain point, and say, "Wow, okay, 
even if this is the ceiling and maybe he dips off a little bit, like he'll be in that 36, 37 range, even if it's 35, you're like, okay, that's pretty good. And now we're, we're, we're sub 30 right now. And again, these are some of these misses aren't close. They're, they're really bad misses. Yes. And I, you know, I tweeted, it's funny. I tweeted a couple weeks ago. I was like, man, uh, it might be time to get Drew Hanlon out of here. <laughs> I know Drew Hanlon's his longtime uh, trainer. He trains a lot of other players, Jason Tatum, uh, Joel Embiid. He's worked on their jump shots. And RJ accredited to Hanlon for his jump shot in year two. And I, I didn't watch the ESPN broadcast, but apparently on the ESPN broadcast of the last game against the Hawks, they said that Drew Hanlon's now in New York trying to fix his shot. So I don't know if, if more time with Hanlon's going to help, but that that has been his training. Like he's, he was working with him all offseason, you would assume. So uh, I, I don't know what to make of that. It was noteworthy that last year when Jimmy Butler was in a tailspin with his jump shot, that Hanlon actually moved to Miami and started working with Jimmy Butler on almost a regular basis. And Butler credited his jump shot kind of being fixed last year to Hanlon. So maybe this time with Drew's going to help. I don't know. But it, it, it's kind of alarming to see his shot kind of fall off a cliff the way it has recently. So those things are certainly concerning. You know, we know RJ's going to be aggressive, always going to the basket. But even the finishing sometimes still, it looks like he doesn't have a plan. He just looks, he just looks a little uncertain right now. I think his confidence, he, he's never going to not stop shooting. But sometimes lack of confidence doesn't mean you're not just shooting. Sometimes lack of confidence means you kind of do things without really thinking it and not having a plan. And then uh, a guy who's usually a much better finisher than we've seen this year, I think you're seeing him get into the paint and kind of just look lost. And, and, and that's, that's, that's the, those to me are the concerning things I've seen from RJ so far. I think that's a, a really important point is the thing that frustrates me with RJ is his inability to kind of see the floor when he's driving, just kind of puts his head down and, and figures yeah. it out and throws up shots, gets fouled, you know, a, a decent amount um, and gets to the free throw line. He's been knocking down his free throws, but um, I tweeted a, a couple games ago, he should look to follow what Grimes has been such a better, such an improved facilitator when he drives and dishes off to, to Mitch Robinson or Hardenstein, um, whoever's the big, you know, kind of in the middle of the floor. Um, Grimes has done a really better job. Grimes has talked about working with Penny Hardaway, and that's kind of yeah. really the focus of his offseason was on improving the, as a playmaker. Um, we got to sh- we got to see him showcase that in Vegas um, when he did a really good job and was handing out like five assists a night. Um, so that's one thing I think RJ needs to do. Um, there's been some really blatant misses when he's driven and you yeah. know, wide open in the corner, waving their hands, um, and he's missed them. So that's something that he needs to improve upon. And I think with the confidence thing, I think uh, I think it's related not only to his decreased efficiency from from downtown, but also his his defense. I think it's affected. It, missing shots, you know, slumps his shoulders a little bit. Um, and he's a human being, you know, like when you're yeah. not. And you feel like you're not playing as well as you should. Um, I know even when I play pickup ball, I just get insanely frustrated and it, you allow it to impact other, you know, other aspects. Um, so we'll see if it, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of, um, and that's something Tibbs has talked about in the past, even with Randall last season, um, you know, part of the reason he kind of excused away that the, the incredibly poor defense was because, you know, he shot wasn't falling and got into yeah. his head. Um, so we'll see, but um Again, the, the the thing you know uh, you like about RJ is I, I, well, I think fans like underestimated him coming out of Duke. Then we went too high on him. Now we're a little bit too low on him. Like I think RJ's you know kind of trajectory and his ceiling was probably like the third best player on a good team. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't and I haven't really altered that opinion much. You know, I'll find ways to contribute. Um, good size, good length. Shouldn't be a defensive liability. Can contribute defensively. Um, you know, it was a good teammate, you know, things along those lines. So, well, I don't think he'll, he'll reach that all-star status. Um, that's not necessarily an indictment of him or his game. Um, I, I just think he can, if he can settle into a role and you need players like RJ, you need players that are content in that role as, as like the, the third banana. Um, you know, if Nick Scott Mitchell and another good player, or, you know, there's talk yeah. about Jack Levine. He, he's a guy, I think that you can fit, you know, he's versatile enough that he can fit no matter what star you want to bring in um the guy you keep around as part of the foundation um you know going forward and with rj it's like i i feel like with him you're right in that like he's very resilient like what we've seen from him is even in games like the cleveland game where like yeah. that first half i talked about high drives on those shots i mean it was like oh my god what are you doing and then the, i mean the second half <laughs> he shoots four or five yep. uh, it's one of the really catalysts to them getting that win and 
We've seen it in games. We've seen it in seasons where he can go on stretches of like a month where he can't yep. buy a shot and he'll go on a two month tear. Like it, he's, he's a, he's a very resilient player. So that's why I feel like I, I still can't give up on him because of how young he is. But I think I would like to see him maybe lose some of that muscle mass, get back to a little bit more dexterity. I think it'll help him on defense. I think it will help him on his drives. I think it may help him with his jump shot. Like when you, when you're like, when you get really thick and you, you, you arms swell up, like, and you're trying to shoot, like that affects your shot. Like you're not used to being that big. Like it takes a while before you actually kind of figure out like how your body even works. So right. I don't know if even that's having a, a doing, having an issue. Like when I watch tape from him in year two and look at how he looks now, um, I don't think he's out of shape. I think he's, 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 he's ripped, but, but he's just, he's bulky now. And, right. and year two, he was a lot more slender and, uh, he shot the ball a lot better than he, he was a lot quicker defensively. And then maybe he wasn't as strong going to the basket or, or able to uh, match up with some of the more physical players. But I think he's lost some of his game with that. So I think that is something that we'll have to watch. Uh, I, I still feel like, I don't know how about you. How about you feel, Sam, Tommy? I feel like he's still I would still consider him a cornerstone right now. But I think I went into year I went into this offseason saying that I really didn't want to trade him under most circumstances. I can't say that anymore. Like, I think this I've seen now this year, I'm like, okay, seeing how good Mitchell has been and seeing RJ struggles, I'm like, if if the Knicks have a chance to get a guy the caliber of Mitchell again, they can't miss this time. Like, they can't, they can't. And I don't know about giving up four first round picks. I I wouldn't have done that. But like, I was really even against giving up RJ. And that I think is kind of sailed for me, at least the way he's played so far this year. Yeah, I, I was on board with trading him. I thought, you know, before, you know, signing that extension, it probably would have let another team kind of commit to him long term. But um, I was also assuming that he would that his that the agent, you know, that that his agency would demand, you know, closer to the max. It's, you know, he signed for 120, but only 107 of it's guaranteed. And yeah. Unfortunately, the kind of way you look at it, it's you know, it, it's unlikely he's going to reach those with that one hundred twenty million dollar right. you know, upper end of the threshold. Um, but yeah, the way it stands now, um, you know, you move him in the right deal if the right deal comes along. I know a lot of Nick fans would be upset by it, um, but again, I think you know you need superstars to win in the NBA, um, and if he can help you get a superstar, that's that's a deal because I he just he's not going to ascend to that threshold in my opinion. Could be wrong, of course, um, but I just see a ceiling capped at. You know, like, a, is he ever going to be a top 25 player in the NBA? Probably not. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll leave it there. That's going to do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods. I'm EJ Stewart. You can find me on uh, Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, Instagram, and TikTok, actually EJ. Tommy, where can they find you? At Tommy Beer on Twitter. There you go. And you can catch this podcast multiple times a week, three times, two times, sometime around there, uh, every week. Um, find us on the Odyssey app. Find us also wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you download. Give us a give us a give us a review. What do you think of Orange and Blue Plus? What do you think of some of this conversation? We'd love to hear from you guys. Make sure you guys check us out next time. We'll be back next week with more Orange and Blue Bloods. For Tommy, I'm EJ. Thank you guys. Peace.